All right. Okay, we're going to dive in here. I wanted to share something um, with you as we begin to dive in. When my daughters were younger, speaking of toys actually, when my daughters were younger, this was one of our favorite books to read. In fact, Lyra this morning had to tape it back together because the binding was just completely falling apart. This is an I Spy book, and in this book, you look at the cluttered you look at the cluttered pictures, and then it gives you a poem of the things that you're supposed to find in the cluttered, cl cluttered pictures. Now, for me, this was one of my favorite books to do at bedtime with the girls. In fact, they knew that if mom was tired and she didn't really want to read a story, this was the book to get because we could look at the pictures and we could find things together. In fact, it was so captivating that most of the time when this book came out, it wasn't just me and one of my daughters that would be sitting in bed looking at it. All four of us would climb into the bed and begin looking through the pictures, trying to, to, trying to find the man with the axe, the girl with the broom, the fisherman's basket the giant mushroom, right? So we'd be looking for these different things. Now, there was this page. One of these had an item that we could never, ever find. It was this one. Now, you're, I'm going to show it to you, but you're probably going to see it right away. But you have to imagine looking really closely. And everywhere we look, the very end of the poem says, a face on the sun, got it. A heart in a heart, found it. A hair on the run. And we would look and we would look all over this page. And we would divide the page in sections. You look over here, you look over here, you look over here, you look over here. Then we would do a different tactic and we would, okay, everybody follow my finger. Can you find it? Can you find it? Can you find it? Can you find the hair on the run? And we would begin to think, no, it must be a typo. We'd begin to make things up. Well, maybe this kangaroo is actually the hare on the run. Maybe, like, they're saying it's a hare, but maybe it's like a literal hare. Like, maybe there's, like, a squiggly something, right? We're looking. Maybe there's a picture in a picture. We're trying to decipher. We're trying to figure it out. And most of the time, we just go, skip, next page, right? Until one day, my daughter said, there it is. Do you guys see it? There it is. Right? We were looking for one of the beads to be the hair on the run. But it takes up the entire picture. It's blue. You see it? The hair on the run. Yes, it's got the, the, the white button there for an eye. Okay? You see that? In order to see it, we had to change our perspective. We thought that it was going to look a certain way. But all of a sudden, I spy the hare on the run. During the next 40 days, we're going to be doing a journey leading up to Easter. And while it's one that you can join us on Sundays... It's also an invitation that is much deeper than that. It's much bigger than that. It's an invitation to begin to see things differently, to change our perspective, and to maybe for the first time begin to see the kingdom of God all around us. The next 40 days is a season called Lent. It's traditionally the 40 days that are leading up to Easter. 
And in church history, it's sort of this time to take a little bit of extra focus and energy to pay attention to Jesus. Now, oftentimes that's achieved through fasting, and sometimes that's achieved through something that's not detractive, like fasting, but additive, adding something into your schedule. For example, there was a traditional uh, process called praying the hours, which was this process of every hour beginning the hour in prayer with a different prayer focus. So in the morning, you would pray for one thing. In the afternoon, you'd pray for another. And in the evening, you'd pray for another thing. And what I'm going to invite you to do over the next 40 days leading up to Easter is actually to begin to do a Clarksburg version of praying the hours. And this is what the invitation is to look like. That in the morning, you would begin to listen to the Holy Spirit. That you would take some time, whether you're getting up at 4 a.m. or you're getting up at 10 a.m. or whatever it might be, that you would take some time to listen to the Holy Spirit, to spend time in prayer, listening to what God might be inviting you into. And at some point in the afternoon, I'm going to invite you to learn about Jesus. And this is a specific way to learn about Jesus. I'm going to invite you to be reading the Gospel of Mark. Our series that we're going to be doing called I Spy the Kingdom is all going to be centered on the Gospel of Mark. So I want to invite you. We're not going to be able to cover everything on a Sunday morning. I'm going to invite you to read along with us, to be engaging in the Gospel. And then in the evening, I'm going to invite you to reflect on our sentness by naming just one way, one way that you saw the kingdom of God in the midst of your day. This is your I spy the kingdom. It's right there, right? So we're listening to the invitation of the Holy Spirit. What are you inviting me into today? God, be with me, guide me, direct me. I'm listening. Tell me where you want me to be, what I should be paying attention to. We're learning about Jesus. God, how did the kingdom, how was it present here when you were here? How is it present here now? And then we're going to reflect. How have I been sent into this kingdom? How did I participate? How was it near? Now, if you'll notice, all three of these sort of encompass the second half of our rule of life, our bless, right? Listen, learn, and sense. Now, typically what I hear when I talk to people about bells is that the hardest one for them to practice is actually the scent one, which is weird because, like, bless others, eat, eat with others, listen, listen to the Holy Spirit, learn, learn about Christ, right? Scent is always the weird one because scent is like uh, record and reflect, right? Record and reflect. How did you participate in the kingdom of God? Where was, where in, were you, was the kingdom around you during that day? Now, part of the reason why that's the hardest is because I think people have a really hard time seeing the kingdom of God. They keep looking at all the mess of the buttons and trinkets and all the things in the mess of the day, and they're like, I can't see the rabbit on the run. I can't see it. I can't see it. I don't know where the kingdom of God is, and so I don't know how to, it must be a typo, Skip. We'll skip over that one. We'll go back to blessing someone else. But it's really important that as believers, as followers of Christ, we begin to gain glasses to be able to see the kingdom of God all around us. And that's why over the next few weeks, I want to tell you a story that was written down in the Gospel of Mark. Because this gospel narrative is so important for helping us cultivate this imagination to see the kingdom of God right around us. 
And not just to see it for the sake of seeing it, but so that we can see it and then like step into the kingdom to say, oh, I'm going to be a part of this. I don't want to miss this. See, the gospel of Mark is to believe to have been the story of Peter, one of Jesus's followers. 30 years after Jesus' resurrection, Peter has been traveling from town to town to town to tell his story and to everybody that he met. And he's not just telling his story because his story was great. He's telling his story because his story was a part of the greatest story that was ever told about Jesus of Nazareth. And so he wants to tell his story about what he saw, what he heard, what he experienced. But now, 30 years later, Peter is in prison. He's in Rome, and he's waiting trial under the rule of Nero. And he knows this is probably not going to go well. He knows that he's probably not going to leave the city alive. And so instead of being able to travel to one more city to tell his story, he tells it to one more person his traveling companion, whose name was John Mark. And that is why we call it the Gospel of Mark. Peter was a fisherman who became a fisher of men. But like 90% of the people that were like him, they didn't read and he probably didn't write. Maybe he could read a little, but certainly not write because writing took practice and he didn't have time for that. And chances are that Mark had heard these stories over and over and over so many times while traveling with Peter from town to town. But now was the time to make sure that Peter's story didn't die with him, but that it would live for generation and generation and generation to come. And so when we dive into the story, into the gospel of Mark, one of the things we noticed right away is how like urgent it is. How much Peter is like, Mark, you got to keep going. We got to keep going. We got to get this down. We see the word that pops up again and again and again is immediately. Immediately, 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 immediately. In some ways, Mark's gospel actually seems a little bit chaotic. It jumps around from story to stories to story. If you compare it to the other gospels, it seems like maybe it's out of order. Like maybe it doesn't quite sync up. In fact, I would call that Mark is the ADHD version of the story of Jesus's life, especially when you compare it to the Gospel of John, which is all logical and all thought through. Mark's all over the place because Peter probably just wanted him to get it down. So Peter begins his Gospel. He begins his story with this epic beginning. And I'm going to read this, but as we do, I want to make sure that you have like a little bit of a, uh, a context or, or maybe like a template for seeing what it is that I see when I begin the gospel of Mark. Have you seen the movie Star Wars? Five of you. Great. Okay. The first line that comes up in the Star Wars movie is, thank you, in a galaxy, this is my, wait, my straight man, but that's not what it is. Hype man. hype man, hype man. In a galaxy far, far away. No, in a comedy routine, right? That's the other person. Whatever. It's my hype man over here. Back to the Gospel of Mark. Back to Star Wars. 
in a galaxy far, far away. It tells you, it's cluing you in. Listen, this is not anywhere close to here. This is far, far away. But Mark starts it differently. He doesn't say in a galaxy far, far away. In Mark 1, verse 1, he starts it this way. In the beginning, the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now, let me explain to you that anybody who encountered this for the first time, they would have said this is just as similar to in a galaxy far, far away. The Son of God? A galaxy far, far away. The Christ, the Messiah, the long-awaited one? A galaxy far, far away. That's how they would have understood this whole sentence. Oh, you're talking about fairy tales. You're talking about one day in the future. You're talking about something that's far off in the distance. And then cue the Star Wars music. I love when I have hype people. That's so much better than just a hype man. All right. So then, scroll the prologue, right? Then it begins to go all the way up the screen into the back with the yellow letters, right? And all of a sudden, you begin to understand that the story that you're about to dive in, this isn't the beginning. This has gone on for centuries. This has gone on for decades. They tell you about in the darkness of the rebellion that the Death Star has been destroyed, but... There's Luke Skywalker. He's established a secret base on an ice planet, right? Tells you all the things. This is what Mark tells you. Think of it. It's scrolling backwards. He's trying to make sure you understand we are not stepping into the beginning. This story has a context that has been going on forever. The rebel resistance have come. And it says, as was written in Isaiah, the prophet, behold, I send my messenger before your face. Who will prepare your way? The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. He's, he's telling you, listen, this isn't the beginning of the story. I don't have time to go in how all this connects. You got to watch the back episodes, but like, listen, this connects to a larger story. We've been fighting this fight for a while. We've been waiting for this thing for a long time. <clears throat> and then, just like in Star Wars, it cuts to like the ice planet. And there you see Luke Skywalker like riding in on a tantu. Tauntaun? Thank you. Riding in on a Tauntaun, right? You see that in Star Wars, but he doesn't give you Luke Skywalker on an ice planet in a Tauntaun. Instead, what he gives you is a strange man in the wilderness wearing camel's hair and eating locusts and honey, right? It's this strange thing, and you're like, oh my gosh, what he just said was happening in the prologue as it scrolled back. This is what's happening now. He's telling us this is the voice that is calling in the wilderness. Make straight paths. This is John the Baptist. We're in the story. It's happening. The long-awaited thing, it's happening. It's coming. Now, Peter doesn't have time to tell you the birth story of Jesus. He doesn't have time to tell you about Mary and an angel. He's like, we got to get this thing done. And so he jumps right in, and after he introduces John, then steps onto the scene, Jesus, and in five verses, we've gone through his entrance, his baptism, everything that happened into the wilderness, but Peter spends no time on that. Peter wants to get to the point. 
He doesn't have a lot of time. He wants to make sure you get the big idea. After you understand the entry, here's the big idea. And to make sure that nobody misses what this whole entire story is all about, he makes sure that it is the very first thing that comes out of Jesus's mouth. Now, if you don't know this, this is a really big thing in ancient literature. Whenever you're reading the scripture, whenever you're diving into a story, whatever the first thing a person says, that's very important, especially if they're the main character, first thing they say, watch for that. That's not a throwaway, ad-lib, whatever. In that first thing that they're saying, that's huge. That's everything. And so Jesus, in, um, in Mark chapter 1, it says that Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, this is the key thing, and saying, Peter and Mark don't want you to miss this because what Jesus is about to say is basically like if you're putting together a puzzle and all of the stories after in the gospel are all of the pieces, he's like, this is what the front cover is. This is what the big thing is. This is what the main point is. And Jesus says, the time has come. He says, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. All the other stories that are coming, they all add up to this. The time has come. All of history has been moving to this moment. Every story in history has been rushing to this space. Everything that has happened in the past and will happen in the future, it's coming to this moment right here. It's all culminating. The time has come. And then Jesus says, the kingdom of God has come near. For Peter and for Mark, what are articulated in these seven words is the entire point and purpose and summary of Jesus' time here on earth. Guys, if you're taking notes, these are ones to put down. The kingdom of God has come near. This is his summary. Now, for many of us who grew up in churchiology, this would never be the summary that we would have chosen right? Like, if you're anything like me, the summary that we would have likely given about Jesus' message, about his purpose here on earth would have been very, very different. Jesus, we might have said something like, Jesus came to earth to die on a cross so that if you believe in him, when you die, you'll go to heaven, not hell, where it's hot and uncomfortable, So for now, what I'm supposed to do right now here on this earth because of all that is I'm supposed to be good for my mom and dad. I'm supposed to be nice to the grocery store clerk. And I'm supposed to be helpful when I go places so that other people will see how good, nice, and helpful I am and believe the same thing that I believe so they don't have to go to hell either. This is the summary that many of us grew up with. Now, the funny thing is, is that if Peter heard that summary while he's in jail, waiting to be executed at the hands of Nero, he would have laughed. He would have been like, wait, that's it? That's the big picture? That's the the puzzle on the box cover of what we're doing here? He would have been like, no, 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 that may be part of it, but there's so much more. No wonder you can't see the kingdom in your everyday spaces. No wonder you can't locate it because you're looking for the wrong thing. 
the kingdom is so much bigger, so much more close than that. I wonder if Peter might have even said, like, listen, if that's your version of the kingdom, that means that heaven is still far off. Heaven is still on the other side of death. It's still in a galaxy far, far away. But that's not what scripture teaches us, and that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said that the kingdom of God is near, that it has come. It's here. It's now. It's in our midst. It's all around us. And Peter would have said, don't you see it? And we're invited to participate it, participate in it, in the here and the now. Now, Peter wouldn't have berated you. He wouldn't have gotten mad. He likely would have said, hey, listen, when I first stepped into this whole story, like, I didn't get it either. Before all of this happened, I thought that the kingdom, too, was far away. I thought maybe one day Israel would, like, become a nation again. And, and I thought that maybe one day in a galaxy far, far away, the Romans would be overthrown and, and the Jewish people would be established in power I thought that maybe all of this God talk was, was, was way far off. It had very little to do with my daily life. But Peter would told, tell you that after all of this, after all of his experience, after being with Jesus, he would tell you, but I was wrong. The kingdom of God isn't far, far away. It's right here. It's right now. That God has brought the kingdom close. That the kingdom is near because the king has come to town. And wherever the king goes, so goes the kingdom. It's arrived. And the kingdom of God that Jesus proclaimed was one that was without boundaries, that was out, without borders, it was open to all. And in this kingdom, a loving, loving God and loving others is the ultimate priority and pursuit. So much so that it had a king who came to give his life for his subjects instead of requiring his subjects to give their life for the king. And so Peter rushes ahead because he can't wait to tell everyone what happens next. He can't wait to tell them how he first saw Jesus. He tells the story in Mark 1 where Jesus was walking down the side of the Sea of Galilee while Peter and his brother was fishing, were fishing. And Jesus comes to Peter and his brother and he says, hey, like, dudes, follow me. Like, come on, let's go. Now, we don't know the context for that whole thing. We don't know the whole story, but that wasn't it. Peter and his brother, like, immediately drop their nets and they follow Jesus. And not only that, but Jesus calls James and he calls John. They're like brothers from down the street. And there's so much more to that story, but Peter doesn't linger there. He wants to make sure you know, hey, I, Peter, was here from the beginning. I've been there from the beginning, but, but we got we to gotta keep going. I'm not the purpose of this story. I, I want to tell you what happens next. Because what happens next is Jesus begins to announce that this kingdom of God, that Jesus begins to show everyone what this kingdom of God that he just announced was near. He wants to show all the people what it looks like. And so they go into Capernaum. It's the small town that Peter, James, John, Andrew, they all grew up in. It's 1,500 people. Everyone knows everyone. It's on the edge of the Sea of Galilee. And what we're told is that they went into Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath, they entered the synagogue. 
and Jesus began to teach. See, Peter, James, John, and Andrew, they took Jesus to the synagogue, and likely their synagogue was the only synagogue. It was, the, it was a small town, so it was the only one. Now, they knew everyone. They were probably looking around the crowd as they walked in with Jesus, and they were like, yeah, uh, that's my cousin, and I dated her once, and this is really awkward, but don't talk to that guy over there, right? Whatever the reason was, the people in the synagogue asked Jesus to teach. And what Peter tells us is that they were all astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one who had authority, not as the scribes, not as the religious leaders. This was something different. The people in that synagogue, they had heard this story all their life. In fact, many of them had probably memorized a lot of it in Hebrew school. But when they heard Jesus teach it, it was like they were hearing it for the very first time. And then, guys, in the middle of the meeting, something really, really strange happens. All of a sudden, there's this guy with this evil spirit who begins to shout at Jesus in the middle of the meeting. The guy shouts out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebukes the evil spirit. He says, Be silent and come out of him. Now, all of a sudden, this man in the middle of the synagogue, like, shakes violently on the floor, and something that had come over him comes out of him. He, it leaves him. And Peter would have likely told you, listen, we don't know what happened. At that point, we had no context to understand any of that. But what we knew in that moment was what this man was bringing was more than just good teaching. What this man was bringing was power and authority. This man was a king. And Peter is like, do you see it? Do you see it? A kingdom of wisdom has come near. A kingdom of deliverance has come near. A kingdom of power has come near. He's like, are, are you getting the story? Are you getting the story? It's come near. And Peter begins to tell story after story. And he's like, Mark, get it down. Get it down. We got another one coming. And each story captures one more, a glimmer of what it looks like for the kingdom of God to have come near. Now, here's what we're going to do this morning. I need you to practice this. Because if we're going to be a people who are going to begin to see what the kingdom looks like in our everyday spaces, we have to be able to go back and read scripture and say, well, what does the kingdom look like there? How does it show up there? How do I see it there? And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to give your group, each of the little groups, right? You met some people around you. I'm going to give your group a couple verses. And you're going to look up those verses. There's Bibles on the table. You can look it up on your app. That's fine. If you brought your own Bible, great. You're going to read that passage as a group, and then you're going to answer this question. In this passage, what does it look like for the kingdom to come near? So in the one we just looked at, it was that the kingdom came near, it came as deliverance, it came as wisdom, it came as power. So in this passage, what does it look like for the kingdom to come near? And then you're going to Fill in the blank. Blank is near. Wisdom is near. Deliverance is near. Power is near. Do you guys understand? Okay, so here's where it is. Raise your hand if you're a group, like one person in your group, raise your hand and I'll give you some verses. 
I know you're like, you raise your hand. No, I'm not raising my hand. You raise your hand. Okay, good. Um, right there, you're going to be chapter 1, 29 through 34. You're going to be chapter 1, 35 through 39. Uh, Charlotte, 1, 40 through 45. Uh, Tiffany, uh, 2, chapter 2, 1 through 12. Uh, back there, is that Teresa? Teresa, you're going to be chapter 2, 15 through 17. Does everybody have one? Okay, Keith, you're chapter 2, 18 through 22. Anybody else need a separate one? You can join what's already been given, but uh, Stephanie, you're chapter 2, 23 through 28. Okay, everybody got something? Great. If you are like, I missed it, ask somebody else. They can give you your... Chapters. Okay, go. So the kingdom of God, what does it look like for it to come near in that passage?
All right, if you guys were able to fill in the blank, what is near, right? This passage shows what does the kingdom look like, that there's something that has come near. If you have a fill in the blank for that, I'm going to ask you to grab one of the markers that's on the white table, and you're going to write that word on one of the white pieces of paper around the room. So somebody from your group to write that word. You can have more than one. There's not a, I don't have a right answer. Alright, so we're going to bring it back whole group even as you're getting them on the boards or the white pieces of paper still. Here's what Peter is saying as he goes through story after story after story of what it now looks like for Jesus to say and to demonstrate that the kingdom of God is near. He tells these stories that show that healing is near. He tells these stories that show that invitation is near, that cleansing is near, that good news is near, that discernment is near, that celebration is near, that health is near, authority is near, power is near, rest is near, right? This is what Peter's saying. You want to know what the kingdom of God looks like as it has come near? This is it. These, this is it. These things aren't far off and in the distance, even though I know that sometimes they feel like they are. They have come near because of Jesus. He was the embodiment of the kingdom, and he has brought the kingdom to earth. And by the end of the first chapter of Mark, we're told that at once Jesus' fame spread everywhere, throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. Why? Because this is such good news. Now, Peter is clear right up front when we have Jesus say those first words. Peter's clear right up front that this good news about the arrival of the kingdom, that, that it requires two things. It moves in us two things. We go back to what Jesus said at the beginning and we finish it. It says, the time is come, the time is now, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. And Jesus says, repent and believe in the good news. 
Now for you and for me, this word repent has a wacky history. I imagine if you're anything like me, you imagine a person standing on a soapbox in the middle of Times Square yelling, you're all going to hell, repent. But when Jesus said that, that wasn't, that wasn't what Jesus was saying. Repent is a directional term. It's like, hey, turn the other way. Turn the other way. Turn in a direction towards Jesus. Turn in a direction towards the kingdom and the king. Change your worldview. Change the way you see everything. Guys, do you see how these things can that these things come together. When somebody announces that your healing is near, no longer are you walking in a direction of despair. You turn around, my healing is near, what? Right? When you're walking in a direction where you believe you've been excluded from any, everything and everyone and you've been rejected again and again and somebody announces, no, 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 your acceptance, your invitation is near, you turn, what? It changes everything in us when somebody says your rest is near, when somebody says your celebration is near, when somebody says your cleansing is near. Repent, turn around, come back. Come back. This is good news. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying repent, turn around. We can't keep going in the same direction based on this new information. Change what you value. Change what you're pursuing. In order to see the kingdom, we've got to change. We've got to turn around. We can't see what is behind us. We can't see what we're not looking at. And then Jesus says, believe. It's this Greek word, uh, I can't remember how to say it. Jacob, help me. Pisteo, believe. Greek, pisteo. Thank you. I got my Greek. Look, I got like hype people. I got my scholars. I got all the people right here. It's this word that means entrust yourself to the kingdom. Like trust it. Believe it. Fully surrender. Commit yourself to this new rule in this new kingdom. Change the direction of your focus. And then Peter's, the rest of Peter's account, the rest of his story that Mark writes down for him is basically all of these stories of what does this look like? What does it look like to see that the kingdom is near? And how do people turn? How are people turning around? How are people changing their values, changing what they pursue? How are people trusting in this kingdom? Now, when Peter stepped into this at the very beginning, he had no idea what he was getting into. But he couldn't say no because the king had come. And so him and, and, his other fo- and the other followers with him, they felt like they had to pursue and they wanted to pursue something totally different. So let me ask you a question, and this is going to wrap us up. What are you pursuing right now? What is the direction that you are facing? What is the thing that you value most? And are you willing to turn to face a kingdom that has come near? Are you willing to be open enough to explore that maybe the kingdom, the good news, is actually nearer than you think? Are you interested in trying to experience what this might be to trust this good news that a kingdom has come? And if you are, it changes everything. 
And so this week, I'm going to actually invite you into two challenges. Now, I told you at the beginning, the hours, Clarksburg hours, morning, afternoon, and evening. But here's what this is going to look like. My challenge is, again, do the prayer of the hours. To every day, write down one way that you saw the kingdom of God. In the afternoon, you're going to read Mark chapters 1 through 3. And you can ask yourself, in order to sort of create a framework for it, if you need to take a picture, that's fine. You're gonna, as you're reading this, what you're going to look for is what did the near kingdom, the kingdom that had come near, what did the near kingdom look like in this passage? And how did those who followed change their pursuits or their values or didn't? I think that this can help us begin to create an imagination to be able to see the kingdom all around us. Now, if you have doubts about this and you're like, "Uh, I don't really know, (laughs) I'm not really sure, Um, Peter would say, me too. If you're like, listen, I used to be close to Jesus, but I've walked away from Jesus, Peter would say, like, listen, that's part of my story too, let me get to it. But the time has come for us to experience a kingdom that is full of mercy, of a king who has drawn near to us so we can draw near to him. All right, let's pray. Father God, we are so grateful for who you are. We are so grateful for your word that has been preserved so that we can get excited about it. We're so grateful for the ways that you have drawn close to us. That when it's felt like we've been walking into the direction of despair and loneliness, when it felt like we were walking into dead ends, you are proclaiming to us, no, 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 that's not the end of the story. Turn around. The kingdom is near. And so, Father God, would you give us eyes to see your kingdom? Would you help us just turn around and face you? Help us see who you are that you are present and all around us. We're so grateful for you. We pray all these things in your holy and precious name. Amen. Um, I'm going to invite you to sing a new song with us um, as response. Um, It's a song called um, Kingdom Come, which is fitting and appropriate. Um, But I wanted to read the chorus for you. It says, God, let your kingdom come. May your will be done. God, let your kingdom come. And I just, as we get to that chorus, even if, you know, the verses, you're like, I'm still learning this, I just invite you to sing that out. We want your kingdom to come. It is here. We want to see it. All right, will you stand as we sing together?